Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Everybody, welcome. You may have a seat. Bye. See you later, kids. Have fun. Uh, my name is Micah. I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken. Welcome to you. The World Cup Finals happening right now. Big day, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's soccer. It's soccer, in case you weren't aware. Football, as they call it, everywhere else in the world. <laughs> that should say something when we're the only ones doing it, you know? A self-reflective, mature American might uh, think twice. Okay, uh, welcome to Awaken. We're glad that you're with us. My name is still Micah. If you are new, um, we'd love to know that you are here. There are some um, cards in the seat pockets in front of you or online. You can click a little button that says I'm new. Let us know you're with us. Somebody from our team will reach out and invite you to a beverage of your choice. We can get to know you. You can get to know us. It'll be lovely. Um, if you have tithes or offerings this morning, there's a number of ways to give to Awaken. Uh, behind me, and also, old school, there are black boxes at each of the exits, and you can place those in there. We're grateful for those gifts, however they come. A um, couple things we want to let you know about. Reminder, Christmas uh, calendar, Christmas Eve, 2 and 4, here. There is nursery available. Uh, all the rest of the kids will be with us. Both of those are candlelight identical gatherings, So, uh, and they will both be live streamed, so in the event you can't make it or you want to pass that link on, you may. Uh, there is no gathering on Christmas Day, Sunday the 25th, and then January the 1st on New Year's Day. One gathering, 4 p.m., just a potluck. We're going to hang out, ring a new, new year, and that's about all. Uh, a couple of things we want to let you know about post-New Year's. One of them is a learning lab, so often uh, we will kind of dive deep on a topic for a short amount of time. And uh, this January 8th, 15th, 22nd, 29th, four weeks, we're doing a learning lab called Sabbath Politics. My favorite professor from seminary, uh, Joel Lawrence, is with us. Uh, and we're going to wrestle with, like, what does it mean to be uh, a citizen of the kingdom? If you remember the thing Peter says about being aliens uh, and foreigners, we're citizens of another kingdom, but we live here in this world, in this particular political system. So how do you... How do you do that well as a person who follows Jesus? So that will be our content, and it'll be wonderful. Joel is, uh, again, he was my favorite prof, so I'm excited to introduce him to you. And then last but not least, uh, my good friend Angie Gislason. Where are you, Angie? Angie, there she is back there waving. Um, Angie introduced me to a ministry called Walking with a Purpose. Walking with a Purpose... Uh, serves and comes alongside uh, unhoused folks in St. Paul. So if you've heard of Settled, uh, they build tiny houses. There was just some legislation passed this last year where there's now a, a tiny home kind of community on a church property in, in St. Paul. So Settled and Walking with a Purpose are kind of in the same space and are friends with one another. Um, but Walking with a Purpose specifically, there's two big giant buses. They're filled with all kinds of supplies you might need if you were uh, unhoused. And so um, Angie and me every now and again and a group of others just wander around in St. Paul to kind of um, locations and um, find pe folks who are unhoused and ask them what they need, uh, if they need anything. Um, and it's just a, a, a wonderful, um, I, I found it to be, well, challenging on a number of levels for me personally, 
um, but also like really, really beautiful. And those are the kinds of spaces where we learn and we grow, yeah? Um, so, um, invite you to do that if you're interested at all. Angie, you can talk to her, um, or you can talk to me. But on January the 13th, Angie and her brother Billy uh, have been doing music for as long as I know, have known them, which is 20-some years now. And they'll be doing a concert here on the 13th at 7 p.m. to raise some funds as well as supplies for Walking with a Purpose. So, invite you to that. Um, it'll be a lovely evening. And uh, lots of things happening, so the Awaken Weekly is always your best spot for that. Um, that's an email we send out. You can subscribe to it. If you would, I'm going to invite you to stand, greet one another, pass some Christmas peace and love around the room, say hello to your neighbor for just a moment. Well, welcome to the culmination of Advent, the fourth week of this season. Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which is connected to a Greek word, Perugia. And that means like coming or arriving, uh, an official visit. So for us, it's a season of waiting for the arrival of something. There's a book called the, uh, Living the Liturgical Year, and there's a quote in there that uh, says, Since the time of Bernard of Clairvaux, like 11th century, Christians have spoken of the three comings of Christ in the flesh at Bethlehem, in our hearts daily, and in glory at the end of time. And so we're here this morning to remember uh, the coming of Christ in the flesh in Bethlehem, uh, to be reminded and invited again, or for the first time, and anticipating his coming again. This is the beginning of the church calendar. It's a journey through the story of God's arrival, uh, the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, the giving of the Spirit at Pentecost, and it's a journey for, like many others in our lives, which begins in darkness. Uh, a, a moment where a seed is buried, and hopefully that seed grows and becomes a life. It is birthed, and something new is born. Uh, so this Advent, we've looked at these four canticles. These are, uh, it's a churchy word, right? Um, a song or a hymn. Uh, Mary's song, Zachariah's song, Simeon's song, and now the angel's song. Historically, throughout the history of the church, these verses have been sung in liturgy um, as the church, chanted sometimes, as it were. And so we're going to turn our attention to the angel's song. It's 11 uh, words in Greek, so it's not very big, but it sort of packs the punch of a heavyweight fighter, uh, I think. These 11 words challenge our notions of power and of peace and of grace. Um, they come amidst a story, right? You probably remember this story about a census that's been taken. Quirinius, that's always a fun one on Christmas Eve. Will the reader get that one right? You know, Quir Quirinius, Quir Quirinius, Quirinius. Um, so you can look forward to that on Christmas Eve. I'm not sure who's going to read, but we'll see if they get that one. Quirinius. It's a tough one. you got to practice it. But Quirinius, you know, he gives a census to the Roman world, which makes Mary and Joseph, pregnant Mary and Joseph, leave uh, Nazareth, go to Bethlehem, where this baby is born. She wraps him in swaddling clothes, puts him in a manger. Uh, meanwhile, shepherds in, a, in a, a field nearby, they're out watching their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appears to them, says, Do not be afraid, for unto you this day... Good news for all the people. A Savior has been born, a Messiah. You will know, this will be a sign, the baby will be wrapped in, in, in a cloth and lying in a manger. And then a company of heavenly hosts 
burst out from the sky, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. If you were going to read that a little more literally, it would read like glory in the highest to God, and on earth peace, and among humanity, gets translated men, unfortunately, most of the time, but it's the word that we get anthropology from, so it does include all the people. Rotten translators. <laughs> Among humanity, goodwill and favor. I mean, so much damage done unnecessarily. You know what I'm saying? It's not even in my notes, people. <laughs> Among humanity, goodwill and favor. So, I want to begin this morning by trying to set a context for which these 11 words would have been given. Right? Context, context, context. If you're going to buy a house, it's location, location, location. If you're going to read the Bible, it's context, context, context. What was happening when these words were spoken? Who would have heard them and how would they have heard them? Right? Language, it works on multiple levels. I'm going to ground you for the rest of your life. There's the words, like the, the, the locution. This is called speech act theory, by the way. The words that have been written. And then there's another level deeper. Uh, illocution, and then deepest, perlocution. Like, what am I trying to do by saying you're grounded for the rest of your life? I'm trying to get you to do the dishes, okay? Right? I'm trying to take, get you to take the trash out, children, or whoever. <laughs> All right? So what's the context into which these words were spoken, and what were they doing to the people who heard them first? A few things about Rome in Jesus' time, right? Augustus, the, the, the guy, same Augustus in Luke chapter 2. Augustus, a real figure in human history, um, was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. Probably a name you remember. Pizza place, named after him. Five dollars, hot and ready. Caesar, little Caesars. Pizza, pizza. I don't know where that came from. I, I remember when I was in high school, we would go and watch hockey on, like, whatever night it was on, and we would always get, you know, the $5 hot and ready Little Caesars pizza. Little pizza, pizza, pizza. So, <laughs> oh gosh. Augustus was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And Julius Caesar was a big deal. So big, they named pizza place after him. <laughs> Augustus <clears throat> became the sole ruler of Rome after a bloody civil war. And Mark Antony, maybe you remember that name, he commits suicide. This is like 30 BC after being defeated by uh, Augustus. And Augustus makes Rome, which was a, uh, what do they call it? Republic. He makes it into an empire. And at the head of the empire is himself. The uh, the Caesar of Rome. And with that, he proclaimed that he brought justice and peace to all the world. And in declaring his dead father, Julius Caesar, divine, he becomes what? Son of God. You've done it. Well done. Good job. So Augustus brings peace to the whole world. He becomes the son of God. Poets write poems about him. The songwriters write songs about him. They stamp coins with his name on it. Things like, in no other name can a man be saved but Caesar Augustus. Have you heard something like that before? Paul says it later in the epistles, right? Um, he is the savior of the world in the context in which these 
this letter would have been written and these words would have been spoken. He's the rightful king. He's the ruler. He's the Lord of creation. So you begin to hear these, these phrases, which if you've been around the Bible long enough, you begin to recognize, like, holy cats. Like, this is not 11 random words here. This is serious business. Like, we are saying something. Luke's gospel, it's a story. And he's trying to communicate in a certain way to, like, do something to you, the reader. It's different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke's, uh, and John, Matthew, Luke, Matthew, Mark, and John's gospels because he's trying to get you to understand. He's shaping the world that you're living in because he knows, like Harold Goddard, the destiny of the world is determined less by the battles that are lost and won than by the stories it loves and believes. I'll say that one again. The destiny of the world, and I think this is true still today, the destiny of the world is determined less by the battles lost and won than by the stories it loves and believes in. The stories shape our world. And Luke knows it. So when the angels say, glory to God in the highest, peace to whom his favor rests, he's telling us what the angels said, but he's doing something radically subversive in his context. What's going on? So, three questions I want to wrestle with this morning. The first of which is... Who is worthy of glory? Glory is this like, you know, big churchy word that you maybe have heard before. But what is glory? It's like, uh, who do you ascribe or what do you ascribe ultimate worth to? Another way to say it is, who or what is the lens through which you interpret and assign value in your world? Right? One of the things we miss when we read this story and it's about, you know, the shepherds and uh, the cute baby Jesus and everything is how political and subversive it was. Luke's telling of it is the most overt. Glory and peace and favor from God through this baby is about as charged as you can get. I hope I'm trying, like, I'm getting you there, okay? Imagine, like, in the 50s, somebody says, you know, instead of God save the queen, uh, God save the little child born to the unwed mother. Or, you know, somebody kneels down on a football field and says, no, I don't pledge allegiance to that kingdom, but rather a different kingdom, right? You know how political that is, how charged that is. They're saying something. They're doing something. That's what Luke's up to. The word glory in Greek is the word doxa. It's where we get doxology. It means honor, renown, or splendor. In Hebrew, it's kabod, and it means like weighty or uh, something that's heavy. The rabbis would actually say, like, what's, what's heavier in this situation? What has more weight? So for something to be worthy of glory, it, it's, it's of ultimate weight. Its influence is ultimate. Remember that kid in high school who, like, determined the culture and, like, what was cool and what wasn't cool? His name was Dylan in my school. <laughs> I glorified this guy. We gave him glory. We let him determine what was ultimately worthy, what was of value, right? The stock market in our world, maybe you could, is a, is a, it determines everything for a lot, or at least our futures, right? We glorify it. Why does this, any of this matter? Well, Luke is saying glory to God in the highest. The divine is that which is ultimate, given ultimate worth and weight. So to you this morning, I would ask, what do you glorify? What do you give glory to? What do you ascribe ultimate worth to? What is the lens through which you determine value in your life? That's what you give glory to. 
right, to take this big churchy word and bring it down. Like, what you ascribe ultimate worth to, the lens through which you determine and assign value in your life, that's what you glorify. And Luke's asking a question by saying glory to God in the highest. And it's still being asked today. Because what we give glory to, what we give ultimate worth and value to, shapes who we are and how we live in the world. So what do you give glory to? The second question I want to explore is how does peace on earth get accomplished? Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. When the angels pronounce that, the long-awaited promises of the prophets and the psalmists, right, have come in this moment. And of course, if you've been around Awaken long enough, and if you were listening at all this morning, you would know that shalom is the Hebrew understanding or concept of peace. And it's not just an absence of war, right? If you have children in your home and they like to fight, peace isn't when they stop, but it's like, Bigger than that, it's where the whole story in the Bible begins in Genesis chapter 1, where there's flourishing and wholeness. It's complete. Tim Keller says, universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. John Perkins says, where nothing is missing and nothing is broken. That's shalom. Peace has come. What would it mean for the whole world to experience peace? Like, it's a story that happened 2,000 years ago, but, like, is there any need for peace today? What would happen if peace came to Palestine and Israel? What would happen if peace came to uh, our, our borders? What would happen if peace came between the union and the, the workers and the institutions that they work for? Or in our neighborhoods, among certain populations and police forces? Like, what would happen if those, if those conflicts actually came together, and there was peace. We long for peace. We want it. We desire it. Our hearts ache for it. And Luke's context, Luke's world, did as well. And actually, this is how... There was a story about peace in, in Luke's time, and it was called the Pax Romana, right? Peace would come in the form of Maximus, <laughs> the gladiator, in case you can't see that. Uh, and as long as you bow a knee to Rome, then the protection of, the power of Rome is yours. It's an exchange, quid pro quo, right? So peace came, and that's how it came. These are the peacekeeping forces of Rome. And thankfully, 2,000 years of history and advancement in technology and, like, the development of the human, this is what our peacekeeping forces look like. How does peace come? How do the deepest divides on our earth get bridged? And I want to pause this morning and just highlight one small, simple idea and that is that when, for whatever reason, when we attempt to keep the peace, and don't get me wrong, like, these folks who I think are in Ukraine, they probably need the tools they've been given to keep the peace, right? Because a dictator has invaded a country and is killing people. But whenever we come to the game and we're, we're trying to keep the peace, it always involves violence. 
It's like we have no imagination for how peace could come without forcing you to not do something else. With guns or swords or bombs. And the bazonkers, the bizarre and bonkers message of Christmas, friends, is that that actually never works and the opposite, the completely infathomable, incalculable, like, can't work, is this. That's how it happens. You know, cute little baby Jesus, six pound, eight ounces, sitting in the manger. No, by vulnerability and sacrificial love. This is the divine economy. This is how God works. When peace comes, it doesn't come by force. It doesn't come by bombs. It doesn't come with weapons, swords, or F-16s. It comes with vulnerability and sacrificial love. Do you believe that? How will peace come to your table next week? The war zone that you're going into. (laughs) Just getting real, right? Reminding you all of what we're doing here. Okay, how will peace come? Is it with sharp words so that you don't get hurt? Where you defend, like, right? This is how we do it. We don't carry guns to that, hope to our meetings, hopefully. But we do have weapons and we use them. How will peace come? How will it come to your school board meetings? How will it come to your city council meetings? How will peace come to your neighborhoods, to our country, to our politics? The insane message of this story that we come to yearly, probably because we forget, (laughs) is that peace comes through vulnerability and sacrificial love. And if you follow it, You'll look foolish, but it will bring you life. Do you believe that's true? You have a chance to work it out this week. I, I, I send you with my blessing. <laughs> How does peace come? Who is glory? Who is worthy of glory? And finally, who does God's favor rest on? Like, if the divine has given favor and blessing, like, who does get that? Who, 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 who does it rest on? I mean, think about that question. Who, who's, who does God's blessing rest on? Who, 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 whose favor, or who gets God's favor? What are the different ways you've been taught to answer that question? Ay, ay, ay. I mean, in our context, right, we read the Bible a particular way where we read Israel as the chosen people of God and then somehow, like, our country is more favored than everybody else. That's not true. Not remotely. In fact, it's a lie. It's, like, really evil and destructive in the world and in your life. But who gets God's favor? Who gets God's blessing? 
There's another version of that where it's those who are predestined, those who God elect to get it. That's, I got fighting words for that. When I was a kid, we, there were five of us boys, and uh, Christmas was really fun. Um, I'd like to know by show of hands, how many of you in the room are from families where everyone gets their presents, we pass them all out, and then one by one, we open them? How many of you are in that category? Okay. How many of you are in the other category where it's just absolute pandelirium for about two minutes? Raise your hands. Keep, can we just keep your hands strong, everybody? We got some work to do in the world. We got to infuse our, you know, Christmas ways onto, you know, these people who just don't understand. This is my wife and I. Like, it's so fun. Uh, I'm like, it's like Christmas opening gifts. It's like a, it's like a political debate, you know. It's like so dry and takes so long. It's like, let's get to it, man. It's Christmas. Let's do this. I, I get it, I get it, you know, but it's just so much more fun. <laughs> At any rate, clearly you understand the house I grew up in, five boys, it was just nuts. And we'd, you know, seven o'clock, the bell would ring, we'd all run down the stairs and we'd gather around and Christmas presents would come out and then it was just sh- sh- paper everywhere, you know. And my Uncle Mike, well, at Grandma's you know, he, was, he always held the trash bag, and so we'd just, like, throw paper at Uncle Mike, you know, as he was picking up trash. But the point of this story is this. At Christmas, like, underneath your tree, there's likely a gift that you've purchased for someone. You thought about them. You remembered them. You, you, you like, considered them while you were out there at Menards or wherever it is you buy your gifts. Fleet Farm. You know, when you picked up those circus peanuts for your cousin. God, those things are devilish, aren't they? They just never should have happened. But when you're out there and you thought of that little one and you're like, you know what? And then you wrap that thing. You took some time to make it, you know, presentable and thoughtful. And then you, like, put their name on it, right? And that's sitting underneath the Christmas tree right now. And you maybe, and this is, like, so simple what I'm about to say. And you may think, like, how much do we pay this guy? But here's the thing. Who gets God's blessing? Who, who gets God's favor? Everybody. There isn't anybody that's left out. There isn't anybody who doesn't have a gift underneath the tree with their, with their name on it. Everybody. Your enemy, the person that thinks very differently than you, Who gets the divine, I'm for you? Everybody. Everybody. It's five syllables. And my invitation to you is, yes. Say yes. Open the gift. Receive it. Because if someone went through all the trouble of getting you circus peanuts, and you didn't open the gift, you could see how, what a tragedy that would be. But we're not talking about circus peanuts, people. 
We're talking about like the deepest longing in your soul. To be known and loved. To be welcomed by the divine presence. This is not peanuts. It's everything. So as simply as I could put it, it's yours. So maybe you've like heard this story a thousand times and for the, like in a new and fresh way today, for you, wherever you find yourself, there is a divine yes for you from the, the divine presence who is worthy of glory, ultimate worth, and peace has come. So live in it. Say yes to it. Let it shape your life. I'll close with this. The destiny of the world is determined less by the battles that are lost and won than by the stories it loves and believes. There is a story that you believe is true that guides and shapes your life. What is it? And Advent is a moment where we can stop and pause and slow down for a second and let the light come in and wonder, what if that were true? What difference would it make in the world? And 2,000 years of history would say, in some cases, a lot. So I offer it to you today. Maybe, hopefully, fresh and anew. Pray with me if you would. God, as we take a moment to be still and quiet, maybe even to think about our, our souls as this sanctuary, which maybe get boarded up in certain places so that light doesn't come in on purpose. Maybe just in the next few moments, if we'd have the courage to peel a couple of those doors open and let the light come in. Maybe you might find us as you found those shepherds in a field and you might speak a word of hope and of life and of peace over, into, and through us. So Holy Spirit, do your work. Well, in case you didn't get the memo, today we're celebrating joy in Advent. So, uh, yeah. Take that. Spread that around. See what happens. Yeah? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The church said together with joy in their hearts. Amen. Makers markets open in the back, go buy some stuff. You can find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awaken community or on Twitter at awaken community. See you next time.